Like right now we're in Seattle. We're going to be in Seattle for this month. And just the change of scenery, it's energizing. It's revitalizing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe after a month, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go back home and be back at my desk. And then you do that for a month. Like the break is an opportunity to just like, oh shit, I get to change my schedule and do something else, you know? Like these forced moments to reconsider your day-to-day schedule are are nice, especially in this remote, I don't know, groundhog-ian day type Uh existence we've found ourselves in. This Bill Murray in situation we found ourselves in. Welcome to episode 444, 444, 444, 444 episodes of I'm going to keep all of those in. I'm going to keep them all. Can you count them? 444. I'm your co-host, Brian Lovin. And I'm your other co-host, Marshall Bach. Uh, I will not repeat the 444s, but yes, this is a special episode. Just from the number, at least, not necessarily yeah. the topics, but yeah. Normal, normal episode, content-wise. Mm-hmm. Special episode because the last time we had three numbers in a row was like two and a half years ago, maybe longer, two and a half, something like that. Yeah, I wasn't here for two twenty-two, but I was here for three thirty-three. Yeah, you got your two. Uh, that's important, and you know, the next one, two years away. I don't know, five, five, five. Well, actually, at this pace with the new biweekly schedule, that's four years away, my dude. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> what if we're like in our mid 70s recording design details <laughs> <laughs> to an audience of zero no at that point we'll be fucking legends like uh-huh. people will just tune in just they're like all right we got to give it to these old guys they really stuck it out oh yeah yeah that's the <laughs> other way it could go anyways welcome to the show everybody yeah how's it feel to be listening to future legends <laughs> yeah uh, pretty cool, huh? We're pretty cool. We're going to be pretty neat in the future, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's get into this episode, Marshall. We have some new, very important pixels. Hey. Some VIPs who have simmered on into this hot tub that we call the fam. <laughs> fam of the pod. Welcome to Samuel Ongmon Kyung, Nicole Amali, Lauren Melanudo, Per Carlson, Trang Min Win, Gabe Delamora, Lena Lam, Roddick Burka. Dan V. Peterson, and Yurong Zhang. Hey, welcome, welcome to the fam, everybody. Hope you like that hey, water warm, because, hey, hey. boy, this this hot tub is big enough for all of us, and it's, it's nice and toasty. And it's burbling. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means every week, listeners like the aforementioned Very Important Pixels Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month? Just $1 a month. Actually, Marshall, for the first time in design details history, also a euro a month. Oh. You know? Well, actually, I don't know how that would exactly play out, but a dollar is a euro now. Oh, oh, I see. I thought you said that, I thought you like opened us up to new countries or something that we weren't available in euro countries. No. Or countries that have the euro. I'm making this uh, passing commentary about the 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 exchange rate of euros to dollars. Really fascinating (laughs) and engaging design. Yeah, now's the time for a European trip if you're going to do it. Yeah, well, to all of our comrades over in the EU. Across the pond, as they say. As they say, if you're spending them euros, consider doing that at patreon.com slash design details where for just a month you get access to bonus content 
We call that bonus content the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. Sidebar is an extra episode. Now that we're on a bi-weekly schedule, that's just going to fill in that gap, give you a little bit extra design details to get you through those two weeks. That's once again at patreon.com slash design details. Thanks to everyone who has joined the fam, stuck with the fam. We got people in there for years at this yeah, point, Marshall. It's awesome. And we would love to, to have everyone else join in. So patreon.com slash design details. All right, follow up. Follow up, yeah. So last episode, the main topic was design systems interviews. And I kind of listed a few things that I thought about. And Brian uh, listed a few more things that I should have originally thought about. Uh, and we had listeners who filled in some more of those gaps. So two tweets I want to call out here. One from Kevin Ng on Twitter, at Kevin NGG. Kevin says, hey, I recently got into a design systems role after doing it voluntarily as a product designer in companies. Points worth thinking about for an interview. Discuss challenges in a growing design team. That's a good one. Show examples of how your work helped the team. For example, like docs or components or structures. Accessibility. That's a big one. I think I mentioned that. But yeah, accessibility worth repeating. Uh, And lastly, show your approach in building or enhancing a design system from research to implementation like you would for a product design role. But in this case, the product is the system. All good points, mm-hmm. Kevin. Thanks for writing in. We also have a tweet from another K. This is just K dot Kendrick. <gasps> Dude, wouldn't that be a trip? Kendrick's just like, love the podcast gang, but we need to talk about something in design systems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have thoughts. Um, I love to hear them. Okay, so this is from uh, at underscore Kedge K says, off the back of the questions around design system interviews, main things I look out for are decisiveness, compassion, technical knowledge, mostly around platform constraints, methodical thinking, and attention to detail. All great points. Thanks for writing in and uh, filling out those thoughts. I think we answered that question pretty well as a group, Brian. As we always do, Marshall. All right, that's it for follow-up. What do we got for the main topic today? Main topic, we have a listener question. This one comes to us on GitHub from Gurong Alot, who I have learned recently is in Seattle. I think we're going to meet soon, hopefully by the time this episode airs. So Ooh. hi, hi, person who I might have met in the future. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a little bit of a time travel episode. We Maybe got you'll be here. a legend by then, Brian. <laughs> in four days. Uh-huh. Anyhow. Wrong asks, performance reviews, how to write effective self-reviews, and continues, it's performance review season again. Would love to hear from you two about strategies, frameworks, and tips you typically use while writing self-reviews, especially when you're aiming to level up to the next level as a product designer. Beyond using metrics, how can I effectively present the overall impact of my work as an individual contributor? Great question and a timely question for those of you in perf review season Marshall, we've talked a little bit about performance reviews in the past, but let's let's do a quick jump. Tips, tricks, ideas for presenting your work in the best possible light, especially in the moment where you're actually going for promo. Yeah, uh, so I wrote down a few bullet points, just like the top three things I think of. But Brian, you let me know before we started the show that you've written an entire blog post on this. So I wrote a blog post, but at this point, it's two and a half years old. So... I'll be interested to see what's dated or maybe what I've changed my mind on. But one of the first points I made was, you know, at this moment, focus on the impact of your work and not the volume of work. I I just find it's so tempting in that text box. It's like, what did you do this half? It's so tempting to just write everything. I did all this stuff. (laughs) I closed all these tasks. Uh I designed all these interfaces. But in these moments, I think it's important to focus on just the handful, like stack rank, three to five things. Um, If you're listing 10 things, you're just diluting the weight of those bigger things. Like if you share 
I did this huge thing. Oh, and I also did this really tiny thing that doesn't add. It almost subtracts from the big thing, right? It's like, ah, oh, well, why did they include such a small thing? Mm. Um, so anyways, focus on, on impact over volume. That's my first step. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, how, what do you think about this? What if you lumped a bunch of small things into some umbrella category and included them as like a large thing composed of many small things? Yeah, that's fine. But then I would just focus on the impact of the umbrella thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. But like find ways to distill. So rather than listing fix this, ship that, design this, say made this process more consistent for users or mm-hmm. something. But I mean, ultimately, like focus on on the actual outcomes more than did a thing, right? Like, cool, you you spent the company's time and and money doing a thing, but for what, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The second thing, this was a, a tip that I learned back in my Facebook days that I think still holds up. It's worked for me, and that's to be really explicit about how your contributions map to the levels that your organization might have. So I know every team has different ways to deal with career ladders and level progression, all this kind of stuff. So whatever your system is, whatever company you're working on, just be explicit. So one way to do it is literally to write out, here's what I did. I'm reading off my blog post now. Here's where I think I made the biggest impact this half, meeting or exceeding the expectations for my current level. You know, fill in your level here, whatever, senior designer. And you list the bullet points. Did this, I did this, I did this. And ideally, those should be exactly mapped to the language used in your career ladder. Uh-huh. Then here's how I think I met the expectations for the next level consistently throughout this half. And I feel like that system, if you're going for promo, you got to make the case for promo. You need to demonstrate that you've been operating at that next level for a while mm-hmm. and be explicit about, okay, well, at that next level, this is expected of me. Oh, by the way, I've been doing that. So mm-hmm. this should be a no-brainer. This is my default, not the exception. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're not going to get promoted on like, well, if we promote them, then maybe they'll start doing these things. It's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. It's always a a lagging indicator, Uh right? Yeah, yeah. You do the job you want, and eventually they recognize you for it. Yeah. Okay. The next point I wrote is really about just understanding who your audience is. And this is where I actually am pretty weak in terms of just how how deeply I understand calibration processes. But ultimately, like, It's not just your manager who is deciding whether you're promoted or not. Your manager probably has to get approval from their manager, has to go through budget, has to like calibrate your contributions to the organization alongside other designers who might work for different managers. So there's a whole process to figure out like who is really excelling and exceeding expectations for their job. And in this case, your manager, while they might not be the ultimate decision maker, they're certainly going to be the person advocating for you. And so What you don't want to do is create a story in your performance review that your manager doesn't really know. Uh, I have this phrase like no surprises at review time. And that goes in two directions. One is like I don't think you should ever be surprised by or surprise other people with negative feedback. That should have always been feedback given in the moment throughout the day-to-day process of just working together. But then in the other direction, it's like, you don't want your manager to be finding out about some cool shit you did during performance review. Like, they should have known that along the way. And so then, you know, that's just like a a way to think about as you operate throughout a half or a year, make sure that your manager comes along for the ride, that they are an active participant in watching you solve some gnarly problem or build some interesting new process. You know, this is where it gets into like, how do you have effective one-on-ones? How do you manage upwards? But 
those are each individually like really long topics, I think. But uh, you know, the, the distillation of that would just be make sure your manager comes along for the ride. They shouldn't be surprised when they read their your review. They're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know they did that. Because then they're going to have a harder time telling that story in the meetings that they have to go and tell that story. Uh, I have a couple more that are kind of similar to that, like just making it easy for your manager to advocate for you. So one way to do that is to think about how do you help them tell the Cliff's Notes story of you and your contributions, right? And this it all ties back, like, again, you don't want 50 bullet points because your manager is not going to recite 50 bullet points because every other manager isn't going to recite 50 bullet points. Nobody has time for that. Just think about how do you tell a story that your manager will be able to really clearly retell uh, when you're no longer in the room. So it should be short. It should be focused on impact. It should be a, a compelling story that they can articulate really easily. So a couple things, right? And um, maybe let's see here. The last thing, Marshall, you're you're the boss at this, but this idea of work journaling, like actually keeping track of the shit that you do. I think one of the worst feelings you can have is you get to performance review time, you ha- have this empty text box. It's like, what did you do this half? And you go, oh shit, <laughs> what did I do this half? <laughs> yep. And if you haven't been keeping track, if you haven't been writing stuff down, what do you do? You like go way out of your way and spend a bunch of time digging through GitHub issues or Figma files or looking through your screenshots folder and just like trying to remember what you did. And in those moments, it can be really stressful and definitely bad if you forgot something because a lot of stuff happens in six months or a year. You don't want to forget stuff. Um, so the idea of work journaling, or in my case, is like I just have a, a things project where as I go, as I do things, just write it down. And then when I get to review time, you end up noticing, oh, okay, I did a lot of stuff that probably shouldn't make it onto my self-review, but I at least wrote it down or maybe I can identify themes kind of to your point, Marshall, about like, are there are there a bunch of little things I did that were spread out that add up to something more impactful with like a broader umbrella narrative, but you'll never know. You'll never be able to see those patterns if you don't have this stuff written down in a way that you can digest and, and understand come review time. So that's maybe the the high level recap of, of what I wrote. What what do you think? What else do you have? Yeah, that's great. There's a little bit of overlap with this stuff I wrote. I'll do those first. So yeah, uh, I put right to the guidance. Or basically like use the same verbiage that is available in whatever documentation, hopefully there is some, that defines your role and responsibilities. Basically leave no doubt as to what you have accomplished. Like use their words <laughs> to, to describe what you did, which leads to... Uh, another thing that I think you kind of said, which is like, it's okay to brag. You're your own best advocate. Eventually that becomes your manager or whoever is uh, in the room at the time when decisions happen. But until then, kind of like what you said, like you need to write the best narrative to tell your story. Obviously don't take credit for things that you didn't do, but take a hundred percent credit for all of the stuff that you did do. And to your point, yeah, uh, maybe not everything that you did. I think it's good to, to edit a little bit to keep that story tighter. And kind of along those same lines, if you don't necessarily know who's going to be in the room, they might not be familiar with your projects or the stuff that you've worked on. Don't use code names in the review that if you write anything for yourself, like a self-assessment, don't use code names to be explicit. No three-letter acronyms for things that aren't incredibly obvious to anybody at the company. Make sure that you are telling the story in a way that can be understood by someone who didn't work on these things alongside you. Uh, and I guess the last thing that I have here is uh, I wrote, kill them with links and examples. So like... <laughs> If you've written something like, you know, I worked on this project and I 
created these flows and made these mocks and uh, worked with these people and created this prototype. Like each of those nouns and pronouns in that sentence or in that paragraph should have blue links that link to uh, a PRD or a spec or that mock or that flow or that prototype, whatever it happens to be, kill them with examples. So Mm -hmm. even though it's not necessarily a huge number of things that you worked on, show them the depth of the things that you did work on. Don't show them necessarily like all of the failed explorations and stuff, but give them a a clear narrative of the work that you did do and how one piece led to the next. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's it. Uh, Yeah. It's okay to brag, write to the guidance, be explicit and kill them with links. Love it. All right. Hopefully this was helpful. If we miss anything, yeah, tweet at us, DM us. Uh, we can follow up on that GitHub issue as well. And then for anyone else listening, if you have your own tips, if you've maybe recently been promoted or gone through this process, what worked for you? Tweet at us. Yeah. We can add it to follow up next week. Fill in the gaps. Yeah. Okay. Marshall. Job board time. Job board and actually beat the dee. We have follow up for a job board. We heard from listener Julie Hoxie. On the old Twitters, at Julie underscore Hoxie, Julie said uh, two things. One, I was walking the dog while I was listening, which is a reference to our shot in the dark of uh, what mm-hmm. you happen to be doing when I listened to the podcast last week. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, knocked it out of the park. And two, Julie says, I feel like y'all are still struggling to find your job board sound effect. Here's some inspiration. And linked to a short YouTube video, five seconds, of a video called Royal News Trumpet Sound Effect which I have recreated earlier with the beat dee dee So that's the new sound effect, Brian. I, th- I, think we, I think we found it. Thanks to Julie here. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Yeah. Great. All right. We got some awesome companies with open positions. We're going to tell you about them. This is just four, but there's a lot more over at designdetails.fm slash jobs. The first is from, you know them, you love them, Fig Jam. Figma is looking for designers to help shape the future of Fig Jam. They have a few open roles right now focused on everything from core product and meeting experiences to onboarding, user education, and templates. Love it. We also have an open role at Universe. They're hiring a product designer who is obsessed with the delightful possibilities of software and sees UI design as an artistic medium, not just a method of problem solving. If you want to join a new kind of design studio and shape a product that represents a radically better internet, check out Universe. We also have Webflow. Webflow is hiring designers across their various product pillars focused on growth, collaboration, the designer, and site capabilities. This role is remote first with the option to work in their SF office. Last but not least, this week our fourth job post comes from Materialize. Materialize is building a reactive database to disrupt batch data warehouses like Snowflake and BigQuery, and they're looking for their first full-time in-house designer to come and own the product experience for the Materialize web UI. Technical and developer tools experience is a huge plus. So thank you to everyone. Uh, all these fantastic companies are on the job board. If you want to see more, go to designdetails.fm slash jobs. Both in the intro and the outro, Brian. I think it's necessary. All right. Perfect. Let's do some cool things. You want to go first? Sure. Marshall, have you heard of the the show that is all talk of the town on, on Twitter the last couple of weeks called The Bear? Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen shots and stuff. So I know I know what it's about and I, I kind of know what yeah. it looks like. I, I, and I heard that there's an episode that is all yeah. a single one shot. Okay. Yeah. okay. I think you're going to like the show, Marshall. Yeah. It seems up in my alley. I mean, cooking, good cinematography, like I'm down. Yeah. So The Bear is on Hulu and I discovered it just from someone tweeting about how good 
good it was. We checked it out. We ended up watching. It's eight episodes. They're each like 20 to 30 minutes. So it breezes through. I love like, yes, more miniseries like this. It's great. And yes, episode seven is a trip of an episode because you're watching. And I mean, I didn't even notice that the whole thing is a continuous shot. But by the end, like the story that they tell in that episode is so sweaty. You, you like end the episode feeling exhausted. And like what, how did they create that emotional impact? Wow. It was a fucking continuous shot. Like there's just no down moments. Really impressive, just truly impressive coordination and acting and writing. And then the show overall is good. Like it's a nice story. It's tied up in eight episodes. It's funny. It's sad, highs, lows. Yeah, there's the theme of cooking throughout and like there's motifs and, and philosophy and all this kind of stuff. But uh, that's my cool thing. It's a good show. Cool. It's on Hulu. Yeah, I'll have to add this one to the rotation. Mm-hmm. Cool thing. All right. My all right. cool thing this week is I've labeled it all the dolls, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, D-L-E-S. Yeah. So we all know about Wordle, right? Um, I still do Wordle every day. I know it's not as popular anymore, but I like my daily puzzles. And you will you can mm-hmm. tell that by this list I'm about to hit you with. So in the wake of Wordle, a ton of these daily challenge things, one time a day, one shot, unlocks at midnight or whatever, these things have popped up. And they're not all word-based, Brian. I think you might like some of these. So obviously there's Wordle, but there's also Hurdle, H-E-A-R-D-L-E, where they play one second of a song, and eventually they play up to 30 seconds, get six chances to get it right. Really like that one, especially it's really satisfying to hear the first second and be like, ah, I know that snare hit and get it right. Anyways, Mm -hmm. there's also Poster Dole. It is a movie poster that is heavily pixelated and it slowly depixelizes. It increases the resolution. Then you pause it and you make a guess. There's also Movie Dole. This one is the one I clicked on. This one sounded the most fun. Okay, yeah. So this is an entire movie in one second. And then if you can't get it in two seconds and three seconds and so on. Uh, but you only get to view it once. Like you, you don't get to re-listen to it. Like with Hurdle, you can re-listen to that chunk of the song. Not this way. So there's also Cinnanurdle. Dude, I'm crushing, by the way. I got Movie Dole first try. Uh-huh. I got Framed first try. Let's open Cinnanurdle. Cinnanurdle. This is a three by three set of tiles that you tap and turn them over, and it shows you that mm-hmm. portion of an image from uh-huh. a movie. And unlike the next thing that I'm going to tell you about, it's a very easily recognizable frame. So depending on which square you tap, you might get an actor's face in certain costumery that it's very obvious. Like, yeah. So that's Cinnanurdle. And lastly is Framed, which is very similar. But instead of turning over tiles, you get a single frame of the movie going from very esoteric to very explicit by the sixth one. Sheesh, man. So I have a tab of each one of these open in Safari on my phone. And every day I go through and I I finish one and then I swipe over to the next one and I finish that and I swipe over and I work my way through. Yeah, this is fun. You know, I was listening to, and, and I think listeners might actually get a kick out of this. I was listening to an interview on a podcast called My First Million, which I, it's like a really popular business podcast these days. Anyways, they were interviewing the uh, the founder of HubSpot, which I almost forgot. Um, and the founder of HubSpot, or at least he's the the CTO now, he's an interesting guy. He's like also a tinkerer. And so when Wordle was like blowing up in January and February, 
he built a web version that was like Wordle plus plus, like kind of remix. Okay. And he built it, shipped it, and it went viral. And it gets a ton of traffic. He was saying, just as an experiment, he put Google AdSense on there for a little while just to see how much money he would make. And he said if he'd left it up, it would be making 90K a day or a month, a month, uh, 90K a month. Either, I mean, both are crazy, but a day is nuts. But yeah, 90K, no, a, month, 90K in a month is nuts. Which is fucking insane for this guy. He's just like, oh, yeah, I was just like tinkering with my son. Like my son's learning Python. We just thought we'd like make this thing together. Uh-huh. But they went on this little rant afterwards. Not rant. They went, they went down a rabbit hole of like, okay, how could we make this even more interesting and fun and engaging? So one of his big insights was you do the Wordle. It's once a day. There's something kind of compelling about that constraint. Like you check in once a day, you build up routine around it. But this guy, he was like, I'm just going to play into people's shortcomings, which is we want more. Like you get you get one right, you're hungry to try it again. You get one wrong, you're hungry to prove that you're not an idiot. So he just removed the once a day restriction. I honestly don't even know what his website's called. I haven't been to it. But they were just talking about like how actually big of an opportunity there is in all of these this this whole word game space and now what with what you've shared I'm I'm sure it's just so much bigger right like you can remix this format for almost anything mm-hmm. and put all that behind a chess.com like infrastructure where you have accounts and high scores and it's social and you can you know you finish one puzzle and it generates a link that you can share with your friends and immediately compare your scores with your friends who click that link like there's so much opportunity to build actually really engaging gaming experiences with these. Mm-hmm. And so as I was clicking through all the links as you were kind of reading them out, they all have the same once a day constraint. Mm-hmm. And it, anyways, that's why I brought up this podcast. I was like somebody, and it seems like one person is building several of these and linking them together. They should just make it like a little ecosystem, like play as many times as you want, be on a high score, unlock tiers. Yeah. Your silver, gold, diamond, platinum, whatever, like, there's just so many ideas. And then, yeah, if you want to make money, throw ads on it. Because when these things go viral, like 90K a month. for <laughs> He built it in a night, dude. He built his like remixed Wordle in a night. Mm. Just crazy. That's, Anyways. That's awesome. Wish I knew Python. These are all great. Yeah, well, I don't think you need to know Python. But <laughs> we'll, we'll link to these in the show notes. These are cool. That's my cool thing. Love it. All right. Well, this has been it. This has been episode 444 of the Design Details podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, as always, at Design Details FM. Tweet at us, DM us, hit us with some follow up or your own Wordle riffs, clones, spin offs that we Yeah, what other ones are out there? Yeah, hit us with some more. Um, cool. That's it. If you enjoyed the show and want to support us, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month, just a buck a month, you get access to the sidebar sidebar, sidebar. bonus episode this week we're talking about starting a company because that is top of mind for your boy here starting a company Mm -hmm. talking about ups downs and underappreciated things i've learned so if you want to hear about that that's at patreon.com slash design details get those bonus episodes going forward and of course you'll get access to the whole backlog of sidebars so thanks everyone for supporting the show hope you're enjoying it we'll catch you next time bye Catch you next time. Bye. Let me repeat. Yeah. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Nice. Identical. Right. Dude, you've got it down to a science. <sighs> you know, I, 
it always it's like you listen to singers or actors or something and they do something specific with their voice that's very unique to them. You're like, oh, wow, it's them doing the thing. I wonder how they do it, but it's just them doing the thing. Uh-huh. That's how it is with the bi, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Just it, it just is part of me, Brian. <laughs> it's really like a lifestyle, you know? 